Welcome everybody back to the Female Footballers Podcast. My name is Cassie Gray and I am your host and we are really excited today to discuss a topic that we feel is necessary and important and hopefully you can uh, take with you um, a lot from it. Um, I'm joined by a large portion of our staff today, which I'm really excited about. We have Haley Lucas, Kira Scalercio, Luis Arsenal, Rachel Thomas, Jordan Elliott, and Megan Wharton, all badass women who um, either play professionally or collegiately and are a bunch of our mentors and staff members here at Female Footballers. We are here again, like I said, to discuss an important topic. That topic has all to do with parenting a female athlete, uh, and we're going to keep it specific specific to soccer today, but we're going to talk about the um, sort of the pros and cons that uh, we see in parenting on the sidelines, the uh, resources we feel and places we can point you in the right direction as a parent, um, the not so glamorous side of being a parent of a female athlete, and so on and so forth. So we'll get right started. Um, this topic kind of came up on our staff from an experience one of our mentors had uh, in coaching. So I'm gonna let her kind of tell that story. So Lou, you wouldn't mind kind of starting us off with your story that recently happened. Yeah, sure, thanks again for all the listeners. So the story was at a little soccer jamboree a couple of weekends ago, um, a coach said, hey ladies, we have four back-to-back -back games today with only a few minutes in between. So be sure you rest well during those down minutes while drinking plenty of water and eating your snacks if needed. And then that, she was coaching eight-year-olds and the eight-year-old said, wait, so you mean we don't have to go to our parents in between the games? And the response was, no, we don't have time. You'll be staying on the field with me. And the eight-year-old's response was, yes, that means I don't have to hear my dad talk on and on about what I should be doing or what I should have done. She's eight years old, so let's just let that sink in. So based off of that story, um, we had posted it on social media and we noticed on female footballers there was a response. And the response from that was with a laughing emoji um, that stated, break them in young. And I wanna know what you guys' thoughts are on that and the whole story itself. Um, for me, I was kind of taken aback by that. I kind of felt like, um... What the hell? <laughs> I'll let other people speak though. Go for it. Anybody else? I remember just when you and I chatted a little bit, when I saw that, um, my mind immediately went to break them in young, whether you know it was set that way or a funny way or whatever. When I heard break them in young, uh, the item of breaking them means to completely destroy, defeat, or humiliate someone. So the definition of the word break is to separate, to cause, to separate into pieces. And then the second definition means to interrupt. So for me, when I read that, I read, when you break them in young in the fashion implied, uh, you interrupt the player's growth, you destroy their love for the game, you separate them from the team and leave them defeated. So again, for me, it reminded me of a quote from one of my favorite books. And it says, certain limits placed on a child's behavior are essential, but any limits placed on a child's spirits are not. So when I heard that story for me, it just like made me ache for that kid because she's eight, she's supposed to have fun and here she is not wanting to go back to her parents because she doesn't wanna hear all the feedback that they have because she should be doing what he or she as a parent thinks that they should be doing. So that was a little bit disheartening for me and it just kind of made me want to be like, okay, between every games all the time, stay with me. So there could be a safe space in creating an environment for growth. And you know, the ride home is something we often talk about. That's the worst part for the kids. And I felt like this was similar. 
Yeah, and I think Lou and I, you and I have talked about this a lot in terms of what it means to coach young athletes. And I think the space we're trying to create and cultivate is a space where they get to learn and evolve on their own. So we're putting them in spaces where they get to make mistakes, they get to try new things, and it's not based on a game to game situation. Um, and I think it stunts children when we give them the answers and we scold them for the things they've done wrong instead of praising them for the things that they're doing right or stepping out of their comfort zone to try new things. So I think this is the information that we have to share as coaches with families in regards to what it means to be a parent on the sideline is what is it that we're trying to gain for these kids? We're trying to get confidence, gain confidence for them, for them to step out and try new things, for them to um, explore being a part of a unit, um, for them to question themselves and then again, um, get after it. And I think if we can come together and meet in the middle and share that information with families, um, I think that we might, we might find that the kids are getting more than what they're getting right now. Am I the only one on this panel that kind of had the intense sports parent? Is anybody else a product of that? <laughs> oh, I was lucky enough. My parents were very supportive and they kind of took a, a backseat approach to my development, which was really good and helpful. And I think I would attribute that to why I still play to this day. You know, it's not, not the added pressure or the added things that I should be doing or did not do or things like that. I had a dad who was a co who was my coach a lot of the time. Um, and I think he spent a lot of time thinking about the development of, of players on the field and off the field. And so when we would play and we'd compete, it didn't matter if we won or lost, it was more about um, what we learned from the experience. So when we got in the car, if it was a big game, even in high school, if it was a big game and it didn't go our way, we didn't talk about it for a while because he had to process, I had to process, and then we'd come together and try to find the solutions of what occurred in the situation. How can we learn from it? And that's where true growth comes from. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that most of the parents are, you know, doing it in, with malicious intent. I think that the competitive edge of a parent sometimes is reflected in the child. And it comes to a point where your child is a reflection of you. So when they make a mistake, parents, I feel, embody that mistake. So therefore they're feeling what they think their child should be feeling because they've made a mistake of this, that, and the other. So they're projecting their own emotion on their kid based off of the performance. And I think that if we're able to separate ourselves from that as parents, and I don't have a kid, I just know that I've coached for a long, long time and I'm able to disassociate like all the kids that I coach basically are, are my own kids, even though I've not burdened any of them. Um, but to be able to disassociate myself from um, the performance, right? Like failure is an event is not a person. So yeah, they know most of the time that they've made a mistake. We don't need to hear from the sidelines, like you've got to do better. You've got to do this. You like, it doesn't, it doesn't help. It only helps them re-ruminate re on like what's what the problem is. So if they're able to disassociate and just be like, okay, they've made a mistake. And then you're able to ask questions at the end. What did you learn from today? Did you have fun? Because sometimes they don't even think about that particular instant where the parent has felt some sort of discomfort or dis-ease or, you know, embarrassment because of their performance. So it's not about the parent. It's really about the child. And if we're focusing on the kid's development, we don't want to give them guilt for the mistakes made. I always tell my kids, soccer is a game of mistakes. It's how quickly we can recover from those mistakes that helps define the player and the team. So if we can really embrace that and, and go back to the values and, and the fundamentals of why they actually play, then we're able to not focus on the tiny, tiny moments or the outcome of the game. And we're working more on the development. Right, and more than just the, um, the sport itself and what we're trying to teach, I think 
biggest thing that I'm trying to teach, and I, we want to, we've talked about this a lot, is cognitive thinkers. We want them to think and make decisions for themselves, not be robotic in what they're being told. So if they're getting information from us as coaches or parents on the sideline, if they're taking that information and doing exactly what we're saying, instead of them making a decision on what it is that they want to do in that moment, um, it's a different experience. And ultimately, if we teach them to think for themselves, then they'll be able to process and do that over and over again, and it will stick. And if it sticks, they can, they can continue to grow and develop. I think some, uh, all such great points. And I think uh, two things stand out to me because, you know, you're a parent, just like you are with your child in school, they're, they go to school and they're doing their thing. And then they have something, whether it's parent teacher conference or a report card, that is the performance review sort of thing. And um, you're just like, you don't go to school all the time. You don't go to all the practices. You don't hear everything that the coaches are saying. And so really your role, like in the game, during the game on the sideline is there to be supportive. And I think if you can focus as a parent that like, okay, during the game, this is my role. <laughs> and then after the game, this is my role, whatever you're feeling, because I know, I, I mean, I have coached my kids for a long time in various sports, but I know I am thinking about the game and I'm processing stuff and I'm thinking, well, I'm usually about the whole team, but um, still it, it's better to talk about it. Like give it a little distance. So I think if you can think about, okay, during the game, I'm going, you know, it's not helpful to be yelling out coaching instructions to your child. They're hearing coaching instructions from their coach. And especially in soccer, they're working on these things at practice. And the game is really for them to try these out, like the things that they're developing in practice. And if they're hearing a different thing from you, then they're having this conflict and there's nothing worse than seeing it a player out there looking at their parent who's yelling at them and their coach telling them something and just sort of like, what do I do? I don't want to mess up. Um, so just trying to, trying to really like, we've all heard like what you should be on the sideline, right? The supportive, you're cheering, you're not coaching, or you just don't say anything at all. Like if it's really hard for you, then don't say anything at all. Um, which can be hard too. You might have to move. Like I know there are definitely strategies <laughs> If you have a hard time on the sideline with whether it's with a referee or your child's performance or playing time or whatever it is, um, you know, you have that power over you as the parents who to remember it's about your kid and their experience, not yours. And it's really hard. I know it's really hard. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be my advice just on the sidelines. Try to remember like why you're there. Um, which hopefully you all do have good intentions because I do agree. I don't think there's a lot of malicious intent. I think there is some toxicity among parents, but I think really they just want you to have fun and succeed. And, you know, and then the other thing I would like just, you know, highlight is that car ride home because it's kind of like they can't get away. And so it's almost like brutally putting them in this position. And so I really just try to let my kids guide if they want to talk about anything. Um, but usually it's just, you know, Hey, I love to watch you play. You know, if it was a rough game, like that was a rough one, like whatever, but no detail talk until later if they want to talk about it. And if they don't want to talk about it, I find someone else to talk about it, which is usually my husband, but, um, you know, someone else to just sort of process and digest. Um, but 
and then if the kids want to have that so those are sort of my two things during the game and then after the game like have a plan for you as a parent because it's hard like we're human and we get riled up and games get intense and we can't control it but to go back to what you said about the parents talking and the coach talking it leaves the kids in like ambivalence and because they're not sure what to do. It causes moment hesitation. And then they're more likely to make mistakes. And then because they're making mistakes, then it like hinders their confidence because something that they could have done simply in that instant, it no longer becomes simple because everything is a thinking process. So to alleviate that pressure from them and allowing them to make whatever decision and then deal with the repercussions of that choice and being able to recover from it, I think would help their growth a little bit more than having to joystick from the sidelines or whatever. And I've had before where I had a team personally where parents just could not be quiet and they knew it and I knew it and we made a light of it and I would buy every game these big old jawbreaker lollipops and I would hand them out to each of the coach before and I swear to God everybody suck on these things and they're huge right so they can't really talk through them and it was hilarious and he created a good environment the kids had a laugh out of it the parents knew about it it wasn't like you know but they all embraced it and they were just able to be quiet and it helped the team grow for sure. Okay, one, that's hysterical, but two, that's also incredibly sad that we have, <laughs> like, that's, like, I love that that's where you, direction you went in, because you have to solve that kind of issue in a, in a season, but, like, that just goes to show, like, this is a large issue, and, and mm -hmm. it's very disheartening, and, like, to your point, Rachel, um, I'm a product of a, an intense dad with wonderful intentions. He had one, I mean, he's a wonderful dad but he was so intense on the sideline that I was the player. And I hope if you're a parent listening, it's a red flag in my opinion. If your daughter is looking at you after everything she does, whether it's a missed shot or a goal scored, if she looks over to the sideline to get your approval or to see your reaction, that's a red flag. She shouldn't give a crap if you're there or not in a way, as far as I'm concerned, because I remember you know, my dad was just intense. He was the yeller at the ref, which is also very frustrating to me because that doesn't help either. But he also was like, then in college, I mean, Rachel played with me at Cal. He became like a trying to be quiet about it, but he would yell like two, two, because I was number 22 and try to give me like hand motions. And I just learned to never look at him. But in high school, it got so bad where I had to turn to the sideline and I literally yelled and I wasn't a swearer and I'm not that big of a swearer now, but I yelled, shut the fuck up in front of a whole sideline of people. And it was so embarrassing and detrimental to like my mentality at that time. And if you're a parent where you're screaming, again, I always equate it to the classroom. It's not like you would go up to your kid in the middle of a test and scream at them when they're about to write the wrong answer. The test and the game are the time where they need to, to just put it out there and see, you know, I say in my classroom, a test isn't a scary word. It's a way to just show me what you know. It's okay if you don't know everything right now. I don't expect you to, you know? So, sorry, I'm going on, but. No, I've had, I've had interest. It's interesting that you say that about that parent. I had one parent one time, this is a different team and I'm talking a long time ago, but this dad just could not for the life of him be quiet. And I had had a team meeting with all the parents and, and I tell them like, basically when I'm coaching, like no coaching from the side, you can encourage, like I encourage you to encourage, but don't coach from the sideline. And this, this guy was a former rec coach and he just thought he knew better 
And um, I'd warn them that I would have no problem pulling their daughter off the field and having her walk around and telling their parent to be quiet. And I've had to do that once. And ever, ever since then, he was quiet. I pulled his daughter out. I had her walk around the field to tell her own dad to be quiet, right? So that made a big statement. But it was one of those things where I had shared with him plenty of time before, but I don't think he, he believed that I would do it. And then after that, it was, it was done. And then we had a conversation about it and he understood and, and all of that. It was, it was fine and it was healthy, but it's forcing us to do things that as coaches, we don't really want to do, but if they're not listening to us, they're going to listen to their kid at some point, she or form, right? So it was just an interesting experience. I, I think we have to trust kids. Like we have to trust them that they're processing all this information. And I think giving tools the conversations are going to occur between parent and child. And I think the way that we discuss these things is so key. And I think one of the best ways to do that is by asking questions mm-hmm. about how they felt they played, how they, um, what they experienced in the, in, in the game, um, what they did well, what they want to work on. Things like that help them process the information that they're, they're taking in during the game. Because sometimes what happens is they go and they play they get in the car and then they don't think about it as much as maybe they need to in order to gain the tools they need for the next game or the next practice or what, or so on and so forth. Uh, there's a picture that I, it's been out forever and it's a picture of Messi sitting on the sideline in his lawn chair, watching his son play soccer, saying nothing. Just sitting, and he's the best, I mean, ultimately you can debate that, but he's the best male player in the world or was at his time. And so to to watch somebody who knows the game so well sit there and let his kid have the experience for themselves that's that's powerful and it's a message and I think being able to do that recognizing that it is the kid's journey um each kid's journey in their own um provides them the space to really take ownership and find their way there and figure out what it looks like for them and it's our job as coaches and parents um to help cultivate the space where they get to make it what they need it to be I think it's super important, like kind of at all ages, um, for kids, teenagers, um, even high school, college players as well to like, kind of have that open communication with their parents to figure out what works best for them. Um, because like not to play devil's advocate, but when I played and my dad was dead silent on the sideline, I was like, Oh no, what's going on? Like, to me, I was like, oh gosh, I'm not saying he was ever super critical, like verbally or anything, but to me, like him being quiet, I was like, okay, I don't know what to think now and things like that. So I think each player is going to be especially different. And that's where, again, Kira, like you were saying, you have those as parents kind of have to be curious as to what works well. Do you want, is, are you a type of player that like, hey, I want you to like, kind of get on me if you know I can do better, um, which I came from a very, very competitive set of parents and they would get on me on certain times. And at the end of the game, I'd be like, yeah, actually I wasn't paying attention or I wasn't playing as well as I could or giving, they were all about effort. They were like, anything worth doing is worth doing well. If you can walk away from a game and be happy with the amount of effort and hard work you put into it, then that is what matters at the end of the day and everything else will come um, naturally. But I think it's just that huge conversation of what works for us, what works for us. Do you want me to be extremely loud cheering you on or is that a distraction for you? Do you want me to be kind of quiet, but kind of 
get on you about like, hey, let's focus. You got like encouraging, but with a little bit of like criticism and things like that. So I think that's the biggest thing is figuring out what works best with and like also just having that open conversation with the coach as well um, and say and just being like, hey, I don't want to coach. I want to encourage my son, daughter in the best way possible. Um, and again, kind of Lou, like you said, fit, fit within those parameters of what the coach is giving you. Um, but do it in a way that's personalized and it's not going to be a disruption to all the other, like their teammates and stuff. Mm -hmm. I have a question again, not to put you on the spot, but you said you were looking for your dad to your dad. And you said these were just earlier. I didn't know what to think. So that means you're looking outward for inward validation. So what are your thoughts on that now, since you're a little bit older and what would be your message to like young kids? Are we still looking for outward validation? I mean, yes, you want approval and stuff, but not just to kind of, again, use those words, not knowing what to think when you're looking for that approval, what was that something you can get inward by like knowing the performance and stuff? So what are your thoughts on that? For me, it was, that is just like how, my dad always was like when he was very quiet, um, it wasn't like a good thing. It wasn't a bad thing. It was just kind of like, and this is with all aspects, whether, um, homework grades, whatever it may be. So for me, like, I know as a person, I'm a very, I like out or, um, external, whether it be praise, whether, whether it be criticism or things like that. And that's kind of what I looked for. Um, because again, with me kind of like external motivators, external praise, that is kind of what at that age, I should say, is what I built upon. And then I felt like becoming more confident. Um, and that is additional to, oh, I had a good touch there. I had a good pass. I made a good run. I had a good defensive tackle or things like that. Um, but for me, it, that was, I mean, I held him up, like on a pedestal, love him to death and everything. So for me playing sports, I had that relationship with him and that bond with him to where I was like, all right, you're not saying anything or you are saying something. It didn't define my game, but it definitely had its moments to where it would like leave impressions on my mindset. Mm -hmm. How old were you, Megan, when, when this kind of, what we're talking, what age range are we talking? I, I would say this is probably around like U12 to U14, um, but you like a U11, U14, because it definitely was more of the like higher um, uh, leagues, uh, Midwest Regional League and stuff like that we played in, but it wasn't high school because once you get into high school, you're just kind of like, oh, da -da, I'm running around for the social sport and all this. Um, plus yeah. the stands are so far from the field that you're like, well, this is fine. I can handle this. But yeah, it was at that age um, that I noticed that when I think back on. That's like a critical age, I think, that we're talking about. Like, Lou, what you're saying, eight-year-olds, that's like pretty typical now that this is happening at eight. But the mm -hmm. U11 to U14 age is like, is a make or break situation, in my opinion, as a parent. And not to put pressure on parents, I have an 11-year-old in my house. He is currently trying out for his middle school soccer team. And last night in bed, he said, I'm worried if I don't make it that you and dad will be disappointed. And I said, oh my gosh, I don't care if you make it at all. I said, what I care about is that if you want something badly, 
that you put all your effort into it and that you're happy with the effort that you put. Whether that means you put all your effort in and you still don't make it. I mean, there's 75 boys for a 15 person roster and it's a six, seven combo. So they're gonna take five to seven sixth graders. So he he's got a very slim chance of making it. But I think my my point was like, I don't care. And so to your point, Megan, is I think for him, he's at an age that that age range that you're talking about is where as parents, we have the ability to really help them have self-awareness. And they are clearly caring about um, what we say and they want our approval still at times. But I also think we have the ability to help them put value into themselves away from our opinions. Like we don't, um, I know that wasn't well said, but I don't know if you know what I mean, but basically, you know, what we say can really determine how they look at themselves. And um, I hope that my son is able to see value in himself regardless of my opinion of him. And I think that these few years are kind of make or break of that. And parents have a responsibility to know that what they say can really help or hurt that situation going forward in those high school years. And I, I hear a lot from the parents 15 and older who their daughters have low confidence or low self-esteem or there's eating issues or whatever. I, I feel like I hear a lot from that age range and it's frustrating because it was only four or five years ago where they weren't quite there yet. And so much of what was said to them and how it was said just created where they're at now. And it's not that you can't fix it by any means, but I just hope the parents of 10, 11, 12 year olds realize that they have a duty. And um, in saying that, and I don't wanna like take the whole thing, I part of what I realized with my dad and, and the situation with parents today is um, to me, the parents that could have made it at a high level are kind of the worst. <laughs> The parents that did make it to the highest levels are usually not the worst, I feel. And maybe I'm wrong, but um, it's often the parents who wanted to get to the next level, they kind of live it out through their own kid, and that can be really frustrating. And I think what those types of parents, and all parents do, is we, we have tools that we're given from our life, and we're using those tools to parent our kids. And a lot of parents just look in their own toolbox and say, well, I played soccer at this level, I know how to help this kid. And in reality, the world is a different place from even a year ago, especially in the climate today. We can't just use the tools we have. And you know, some people say soccer, it's a game, it never changes. I, I think that's crap. I think soccer has changed a lot in the past 20, 30 years. And I think the pressures on our teens are insane. And I think that you can use your set of tools, but you also need to educate yourself on new tools and add tools to your toolbox as a parent to help them, whether that's, you know, re-educating yourself on different topics within the sport, finding resources to support your daughter in the way that she might need. But I think it's really, really important that we don't just use the tools we think that we have. We need to, I'm reading that book, Think Again by Adam Grant. I highly recommend it. It's all about rethinking what you know. And I think that parents need to do that for sure. Haley and Jordan, what do you guys think? We haven't heard much from you. Yeah, no, thanks for, for calling that out, Cassie. Um, I think it's really an interesting conversation and I kind of tried to take the back seat and listen 
into what y'all have to say being coaches, parents, and, and having that experience from that angle. Um, as a youth soccer player, I thankfully didn't have parents that I had to be worried about the post-game conversation with. Um, I like thinking back and reflecting, I remember my mom would talk to me about the game after, like in the car on the way home, um, but I never, like I don't have memories um, where I feared that conversation or I dreaded getting in the car going home. Um, to Kiara's point earlier, like I think it's important to have that discussion. Like, uh, you know, I, I think it's important for your, your parent to be an outlet for you if you want to talk about it. Um, but setting those boundaries on like, uh, where the feedback is, if it's just like, um, if they can be an ear to, to let you kind of vent or chat through your frustrations or maybe chat through what you did well um, and kind of flip it the other way around. If you, if you won the game, chatting about what went well. Um, so yeah, I, I think like having that feedback is important or that, that room for discussion is important, but I think it's really important more important to set boundaries on like what that discussion includes. Um, as funny as it is, like, although my parents never, um, were never harsh on me in that way, I do remember other parents on the sidelines, like even providing their own input on my game and how I did. And it's like, if my own parents aren't even telling me that or, um, if my, yeah, if my own parents aren't even like offering that, that feedback, I, I just thought it was always funny how, you know, other parents thought they not had like a right to, but felt comfortable doing so. Um, so yeah, that, that, that wasn't really interesting. I, I would say my parents weren't the kind of like harsh on me, um, tough and you know always providing me feedback during the game and after the game but I definitely saw that in the parent community um, when I was growing up. My experience is kind of a combination of a lot of things I think if you listen to a podcast we did I had a conversation with my mom and overwhelmingly the experience I've had with my parents has been very supportive. Um, and they set me up for success and environment to push myself. I think I don't, even though I've played at a high level, I don't think of myself as a competitive person with other people. I'm very competitive with myself. Um, and that drives a lot of, um, what I do. And I think my parents have kind of instilled that best version of yourself kind of mentality, which has allowed me to be successful um, and I don't know if we, I, I know we talked about the car ride home on that podcast episode with my mom, but um, I think there was one situation and I don't have a vivid memory of it. Just my mom kind of telling me this, um, that she kind of like laid into me um, when I was younger and then saw that that reaction was not helpful. Like it didn't make me a better athlete. And it certainly um, didn't, no one likes to lay into people. Ideally, that's not what you like to do, but I think I really credit her with having that self-awareness. I think we always talk about the athlete having self-awareness and, and engaging that, but that the parent has to have great self-awareness as well to recognize how their actions and their words, they are an adult is affecting their child. 
And I think that was kind of a, maybe a turning point for her where it was like, okay, that doesn't work. Um, I'm going to let Haley drive the conversation. Those car rides home are dictated by what she wants to talk about. And that, and I don't even, like I mentioned, I don't even remember any negative kind of thing, but I do remember her always being a sounding board. And she continues to be a sounding board for both athletics and things off the field. Um, so that was helpful for me that I, like we kind of talked about, I could vent to her or I could ask, I would actually ask her for her opinions and her feedback because I value her opinion. Um, especially as she saw me play more and more soccer and she played soccer, um, up until she was pregnant with me. So she has an understanding of the game to where I could kind of ask her questions and see what she thought. Um, and kind of going off of Megan's point of like kind of turning or looking at your parent, um, I did that too throughout my career, but it what it was less for a, it was more, I'm trying to think of the reason I kind of did it was more of, I had a consistency problem as I'm sure most youth athletes do. I think that's something I really struggled with. And I did sports psychology and all that stuff because consist like I was talented, but wasn't consistent from game to game um, when I was growing up. And so I kind of looked to her um, at times to kind of, gauge if I was, if I was getting stuck in, if I was kind of doing what I was capable of and there was never like, Oh, like, Oh no, I'm scared. Like if I look at her, it's going to be bad or anything like that. But it was more like, yep. Like you're, you're, you're in this, or you could like, it was like a, a hand gesture. That was it. And it was kind of like getting forward was kind of our thing because something that I struggled with, with consistency as an outside back was getting into the attack. And so it was just kind of like an arrow forward sort of thing that she would make with her hand. And it was really helpful for me. And I'm sure it's not the best in terms of being the most self-sufficient all the time, but it allowed me to train habits myself where I could recognize how I was playing in that moment and whether or not that was me being engaged and consistent. So it was a small tool, but I think it was actually very helpful for me. Um, especially because it wasn't coming from a place of you're embarrassing me or, uh, those kind of external pressures is what I would say. Well, I think you... that sounds awesome. Sorry. Go ahead, Kara. I was just saying, Haley, you nailed it on the head. It was helpful. And like, ultimately as a coach or a parent, all of us are trying to be helpful for these kids. I don't think anyone is is debating that and so the fact that that worked and it was unique towards your situation with your connection with your mother I think that's positive um Lou and I had a, a mentor or a mentee uh, that we were mentoring and she had the conversations about um one of the things that was tough for her was the car ride home afterward and so we worked her through having that discussion with her parent and it was actually a very empowering situation it was one of my favorite moments that we had with her it was a very empowering moment for her to be able to say to her parent, hey, this is not working for me. Can we figure out a way um, to have these discussions that are beneficial for me in so many words? And when we talked to her afterwards, she felt very empowered by the situation to be able to own her, her game herself. Um, her dad was her coach as well, but to own the game herself and then own being able to ask for what she needs. And so giving space for players to do so, I think that that's huge as well. How old was she, Kira? How old was she, Lou? Was she 11? 12? 
I thought she was a little younger, 10, 11, something like that. Yeah, exactly. That, that's like such a great point because I think a lot of people think all these types of self-awareness, speaking up for yourself of what works and what doesn't work needs to be in the teenage years, but it can start so much younger. And like Haley, you hit it on the head with self-awareness is what we talk about for players, but it's self-awareness as a parent. And that was kind of always my frustration with my dad was I know he had wonderful intentions and he wanted the best for me, but it was realizing later in life, I think he had the self-awareness that you know, he was ultimately trying to be my number one fan and my cheerleader, but that it also had repercussions sometimes that weren't the best. And as a parent now, I've caught myself, you know, I'm, I'm being an athlete, my husband was a professional soccer player. There's an unspoken tension or a pressure on my children to play because I've gotten that question a lot. Like, oh, your kid's gonna play soccer because you guys are soccer players. And I've always said, no, I don't care if my kids play soccer. I want them to love the game be a fan of the game they don't need to play the game necessarily and even with my son who's trying out I just want him to um if that's what he chooses to do to do it well like what you were saying Megan with your dad it's more about um putting effort in if it's something you want and working hard that's all I can ask for I don't care about the rest of it and I think a lot of parents share in that mentality it's just are you self-aware on the sidelines if you're catching yourself yelling or screaming even at the ref it's not helpful. If we want our girls to learn to control the controllables, then we need to do it ourselves. You gotta, you know, it, it's really hard for a young girl to respect her parent if they're telling you what you should do and they're not doing it. I mean, it's the same as a teacher. And I know Rachel, you could probably speak to this as a parent and a teacher too, but I learned early on as a mom and a teacher that my energy affects the classroom and my energy as a parent affects the home like if I come home from work and I'm stressed and I'm crazy like my kids are going to be in insane if I bring a calming attitude and a calming voice it changes the room right and I think as a parent have that self-awareness in sport because that could really help your child yeah I think the modeling the self-awareness in sport, of course, but also definitely just in life is, is the biggest thing. And I think it's Kirsten Kobabi, K-I-R-S-T-I-N, and then C-O-B-A-B-E, I think she, they call her the teen whisperer. I follow her and I, I really love the stuff she says, cause she really talks about giving, you know, this respecting, like what you said, Kira, respecting these kids. And she's specifically talking about teenagers but, um, and super helpful. And I think just, I see things that she um, posts and I'm like, oh, that's a good, you know, good little nugget. Um, so definitely check her out, especially if you have teens, but going back to the age group of where we're hearing some of these stories, parents, please hear, and coaches, I mean, everybody hear that this age, this 11 to 14 is, or 10 to, you know, 14 is so, so important that these young girls feel start to feel this support and this self-awareness and this self-autonomy in their sport and in their life because there's so much happening in their lives you know we all know puberty we all know you know middle school and just there's so much that they don't need even more stress that's gonna push them away from a sport you know because the sport may be what like 
you know, gets them into something great later in life or connects them to some really cool people, you know? Um, so I just, it's the age, it's, it, it's tough because there's, there's all the stuff coming outside. And then there's also, this is also when if you're pretty talented and showing, you know, some high level, you're starting to play higher levels and it's getting more competitive. You know, you're, you're out of the, of far from the wreck, you're even out of the like, just sort of local comp stuff. You're starting to do these more major things. So it's, you're feeling it more and more. So it's really when the parents need to, to try to let the child drive this train and just be there to be their number one fan. Um, and, and I think, you know, that looks different for every player and that's why the parent and the player you know, there needs to be a cultivated um, environment where you can talk about what works for you and things like that. And again, that goes back to the parent modeling that and, um, and maybe the parent even opening the door. If you have a, a child who's not as willing to talk about it, be like, Hey, you know, like I get really excited and I want to talk about the game, but maybe you don't feel that way. Like right after the game or at, at all, maybe you don't want to talk about the game. Um, so just let me know, or I don't know, just figure out, you know, figure out the best thing because we want to keep these girls in sports. And if we can get this stuff, you know, where they're feeling better about it at the younger age, then it's just going to help them, um, you know, perform better and have, have more fun. I, I think I, I would, I think one of the most profound things I've learned as a coach is that this game means so much more than just playing. And it's a platform for us to teach young kids um, so much more about life um, and empowering them to speak up, to make decisions, to try new things. Like that is, that is what we're trying to do. And as I, as I navigate my coaching experience, I'm searching over and over again of these spaces that I can exist in with my players where I'm giving them tools to become better people and so that they can have a healthy and happy life. And I think if we can all get on the page of that and recognize that it's not just in the moment of this game, in that one second, that little, Lou calls this, or I call this as to Lou, the little molehole of the situation that might you have your eye on, like your kid made one mistake here, or they didn't try in this moment to take a look at the bigger picture of what we're trying to compound for them um, so that they can be strong, independent people. Um, if we can get on that page together and start to generate questions to ask them, um, what it is that they're looking for from this game in their own journey. I think we can, I think we can develop kids so much more than just as athletes. And that's the ultimate goal, right? I think that's why we exist as an organization is to just knowing what sport can do for female empowerment and, and, um, and leadership skills and all of, and what we took from sport and how we apply it to our lives now is exactly why we want these girls to stay in the sport. Um, and parents, you're just a huge part of that. So we hope that um, you gain something from this uh, episode. We could talk about this all day long. We can go in so many different directions when it comes to parenting female athletes. Um, and uh, you know, we have so many resources and we hope that um, you're not just listening to the resources within your club structure um, because there's so much outside of that. Your club is one, a business, um, they, they would definitely want your money, but two, they also are, are coaching all sorts of ages and genders. And so if you're looking to look for more uh, resources for 
female specific, your specific age range of your daughter, you might need to look outside of your club at times. And one resource I would say is um, Soccer Parenting uh, is a great site. Her name is Sky Eddie Bruce. She runs a great organization with lots of resources. Um, the Aspen Institute with Project Play has a lot of statistics. The Women's Sports Foundation has a lot of resources. Um, we get a lot of our information from these types of sites and connecting with different people in the soccer world. Soccer resilience, women in soccer. Um, there's any you can look in lots of different places. Is my point. Um, so don't just get stuck within your club trying to find or expecting them to give it all to you. That's just not always something they're able to do. Um, and same with your coach. I know um, the best coaches look outside of their club for resources all over the place. They're reading books or they're educating themselves like the people on this staff who coach are doing that. Not all coaches are gonna do that, you know? Um, that's just the nature of it, but... Um, so we're happy to always provide more resources, um, but we're also an awesome resource. So please, uh, you know, follow, give us a follow on uh, your podcast. Give us a, uh, a like or a follow on our social platforms. And please know we have a few different things coming up that we would love for you to participate in. Um, one, if you're local to the Bay Area, we have an, a clinic coming up about habits and how to create and build better habits as a soccer player um, in the mental side of the game. That is February 27th from 9 to 11.30 at the Park San Jose. Um, we're also gonna be uh, giving a few different talks coming up. We have probably another college community meeting coming up. So just follow us for more information. Girls, last thoughts, anything you wanna add to this that we didn't get to, feel free right now. Nothing, you got nothing for me? <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead, Liz. I was just gonna say, you know, it's a learning experience for everybody. So I hope that as a parent listening or anybody listening, um, just take some of the stuff that we've shared and, and let's see if we can apply it and be better as we're growing together, right? Iron sharpens iron, we're all in this together. We're here to support you guys and to kind of share our experience. And we just wanna thank you guys for listening and for tuning in. Awesome. Yeah, to piggyback that, Lou, I always tell that to my kids. I. I've never been a parent of 15 year old girls, you know, this is my first time being a parent in this situation. So, you know, you, you can grow and learn and that, you know, we can try to shift the, the culture of, you know, this and, uh, and make it better for everybody. And it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to be just small little steps in the right direction that will over time make a big difference, but it's that first little step that will, put you on the right path. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you, ladies, for being on uh, the podcast today. And um, we will talk to you all soon. Stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you. Bye. Thanks.